And we're live. We've got Peter Domenico here today from Cedar Hill Flower Farms. He has recently entered the hemp space last year and uh, got his first crop down. My name's Chase Nobles. I'm one of the founders over here at Kush.com, and we're really excited to have you joining us for the show. Peter, how's things going over there, and uh, what, what was this year like for you? Um, things are going well. This year was um, kind of our see how to do this, see what works year. Um, uh, we, are, we were a functioning flower farm, a cut flower farm. My wife ran that all the way from, you know, seed to uh, weddings and events and such. And then Ohio legalized uh, hemp farming, um, what would it be, a year ago, July. And we applied for the license and uh, we went for it. Great. That's awesome. Now, I see you're, you're a structural engineer. So uh, you've, I am. you've got some chops. And when it comes to engineers and when it comes to scientists and when it comes to people with applied science degrees, uh, how, how is the way that you grow hemp different than maybe the neighbor, right? And, and how, do you, how, do you, how do you look at this from a scientific standpoint versus just a pure put the plants in the ground and see what comes out? What, what's your process and, and how's it been working? Well, when we started researching, um, you know, you read the, the university reports from you know, somewhere in the Midwest to somewhere out East, all the way out to Oregon out West. And, and it was, it was so very different and, and you, you, you couldn't understand how they were trying to grow the same crop, but they were growing it in three different environments. So we kind of compiled all the ideas we thought were good. Um, I talked to some farmers who grew in uh, Indiana and Kentucky last year, uh, you know, in 19. And we, 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 we essentially grew three different strains uh, like two and a half different ways. So we had, you know, about 14 different outcomes so that we could judge how to do this in the future, what our best yield was. And then we would have a variety of things to go to market with, not knowing exactly, you know, how the market was going to turn out because, oh, you know, over our year of planning and growing, things changed, you know, six times. So you're running multiple experiments last year, judging the data. Um, what, what all data points are you taking into consideration? I'm curious. Um, so we put, we put um, probably 60% of it under uh, row plastic and we planted through the plastic and it had drip irrigation and we had the ability to uh, irrigate every row differently. Now we did it in zones. We didn't do every row differently. And then we had the ability to uh, fertilize through the drip irrigation and do that um, in different amounts and different times in the different zones. And so we saw what worked better. And then we were testing uh, for CBD and THC uh, weekly once the plants started to mature. So we could watch uh, how things, you know, how the levels grew differently under different conditions. And then we planted, you know, the other 40%, um, we just let nature did. We put it down with a modified bean drill. We got an old bean drill and we modified it to, you know, plant a little bit different spacing. Um, and we put five acres down and we let mother nature do it. And uh, at least in 2020, Mother Nature was not a good hemp farmer. Um, but we learned that. And, and we were okay with that. And I think that's smart. Because if you didn't run that experiment, you'd never know. Right? Correct. Yeah. And, and then, we, then we dried two different ways. We hung and then we, bought, we, we built a, a mechanical dryer with uh, big fans and a, and a shipping container. And we dry trimmed and we wet, and we wet trimmed. Like we... We did a lot of things a lot of ways uh, to figure out what was most efficient and then what, you know, yielded the best product. Now, as a structural engineer, you could be making a lot of money in a lot of different places. 
with a very stable, consistent, every day in and out, fairly low stress job. Why have you jumped off of this crazy diving board in entrepreneurship? And, and, and what is enticing about the hemp industry for someone with, you know, opportunities in so many different areas? So we, we had the farm, um, which we kind of bought on accident, but that's a whole other story. Well, and now, so, we gotta, now you got to tell that story. Yeah, well. I, I'm, too curious, I'm too curious now, Peter. Well, my wife was farming and, you know, using maybe six or seven of our 78 acres. So we had a lot of space to do things with. And we didn't know, like I tried to go down the organic hay right. route. Right. Um, that turned out to be a bureaucratic disaster. And so we punted on that. Um, the organic we, side of it or just growing it? and No, the organic, excuse me, the organic side of it. There's right, actually, yeah. there's a real demand, you know, come January, February in different markets every year, whoever's, you know, growing organic beef so they don't have to make it conventional. And we, we had some people, we had some outlets to sell it. We had access to trucks to ship it. Um, but, you know, not being able to use the tractor for conventional means and like, it, it just, Oh, became, no kidding. It was just too much of a headache, huh? Yeah. It just became too much. So a client of mine, one of my structural engineering clients, um, started growing hemp on his farm and he's like, it's a great idea. You should do it. And, um, he was actually importing seeds. And so that kind of set the, the seed, if you will, pardon the pun. And, um, we just started researching it. And, and I got a couple buddies and a, a couple, you know, guys I know from my past that like just whatever crazy idea comes up you, next. You rallied well, the crew. You called them the Avengers. You rallied I them did. up. Yeah. I put the crew together and everyone was super excited. And, um, you know, and we did it. We actually, so we, we planted about 12 acres total. We were planning on 35 and then Corona hit and one of my investors backed out, which was a blessing because we, we wouldn't, couldn't have handled that much material. We just weren't ready for it. Yep. yep. And um, so, you know, we're always up for, we're always game for something. And, um, you know, one of the reasons was, you know, in my younger days, I, I wasn't a big, uh, you know, marijuana guy or anything. And my roommates would always tease me about it. And so now that I'm growing stuff that looks like it and I can send pictures, it's, it was a lot of fun. A little, little bit of payback for the teasing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think that's probably one of the, uh, the, the most fun aspects of, of entrepreneurship and starting a company or, or expanding a company is that you kind of get to call in your crew. You get to call in yeah. the people that you enjoy working with, that you know have skills and talents that can be applicable here. And so I'm sure that was a lot of fun. When it comes to next year, what, what did you learn this year that you're applying, you know, based on, and, 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 and I get it, it's, it's always an experiment whenever, whenever yep. you're talking to a scientist, when you're talking to a trained applied scientist, it's always an experiment. What's, what did you learn this year that you're going to apply next year? And what are the experiments you're running? I'm curious. Um, next year, the, the, the biggest variation we're probably going to do, it, it was very, very obvious that running under plastic was the way to go, you know, for our climate, our amount of rainfall, whatever have you, that was the way to go. Uh, we had very little uh, insect uh, pressure. We had a lot of weed pressure. So now we got to get a cover crop in the in between the rows because we spent hundreds of hours weed whacking that we don't want to do again. Um, so that'll be a bit of an experiment. And then really what 
getting into our sales process now. We have everything stripped. We have everything, you know, in bins. We have it at the right moisture content. So we're getting some process into pre-rolls. We're going to try to wholesale some. And we have the two different strains that we're going to market with. And really demand um, for individual strains or demand for certain products um, in certain quantities will drive what we plant next year. Um, we're going to change the way we plant. We had a, a, we had a great idea what a great product and I, I use that in uh, very loose quotes uh, on how to plant through the plastic. And that was an epic fail. We ended up doing it by hand and it wasn't super successful um, from a germination rate. Um, we can do a lot better on that. And it was extremely labor intensive. So we're, um, we're really out in the marketplace right now trying to find the right planner to put things down in the right way that doesn't take, you know, I don't even know how many man hours we had into that, but it was, uh, it was a lot. I can't imagine. How many acres did you say you grew? Uh, we did seven under under row cover. That's a lot so, of hand planting. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a, yes, yes, it is. And my, my backbreaking work, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what strains did you end up growing this year? And was did you see like a pretty visible difference? Did one do better than the other? Um, yeah, so we, we planted a uh, box and cherry HD. And they came out of a seed provider out of Colorado. They're feminized seed. And oh, the, you grew straight from seeds too. You didn't buy transplants. Yeah, straight from seeds. We 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 weren't. Um, we do enough transplanting in the flower business that we know that you know, fifteen thousand transplants were going to be a problem. Yeah. So, um, so we grew from seed. We had a germination rate of about sixty percent. But so we grew the box and the cherry HD. And it's funny in the field, it looked like the cherry way outperformed. Um, it looked probably two to one, but once it was all stripped and, and in the bins and weighed, it, it probably only outperformed by 10%. It was, it oh, was wow. shocking. Yeah. It's crazy how the plant can look one way and then you take all the fan leaves off, you, you buck it, you shuck it. And it's like, where did it all go? Right. Like it's, yeah. uh, you know, visually like the, the eight cherry was taller and it, it was wider, but there was just less in the you know in the volume so it looked it was a much more impressive looking plant i mean you could tell we had the rows marked but you could have walked down the row and known this row was different than that row got it and and how did the uh how did the coas come out and uh, uh, as an additional question to that what is the regulatory structure in ohio do, do you do you have to be you were testing weekly so it was a little bit less of a concern for you but what happens if you do have hot flour what happens if you you know something something does go wrong with the crop there in uh, ohio so in ohio it's actually 0.3 thc of total thc which is yep. is more restrictive and yep. um so we were testing and then we saw a big jump and then we had irrigated heavy and fertilized over a weekend and it just, everything changed, scared the crap out of me. And the, the regulator at the state was actually great. They showed up the next day to sample. They were really cooperative. Um, I, I'd been in touch with them a lot through the growing process. And so, you know, we knew each other by name and I think that helped, but they were- I need you cooperative. here now. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to start cutting them down. <laughs> well, that was a question I had is like, can I cut them and leave them in the field? And they said, no. And they're like, that's harvesting. And I was like, well, then we need to get here. Yeah. So we were at 0.26 uh, total, you know. So all that's, right. So you got it out though. You got it out of the ground. We got it out. Um, all three of our 
uh, lots, you know, they go lots by um, strain and by grow area. So we ended up with three lots with only two strains. And um, they were all like 0 0.24, 0 0.26. They were all really close. So we were, we were good. You have 15 days to harvest then, which we brought the troops back in. And that, that wasn't a big deal. Um, and THC was, was over 10 across the board. So, you know, we were kind of happy with the, uh, you know, the more stringent THC requirements. Oh, no, it's hard to do with total THC being the, the, the limit, you know, getting over 10% is, is great. That's yeah. Yeah. That we well were done. Those labs came back and we were, we were thrilled. We got our, our certificate from the state that said everything was legal. We were thrilled because as I'm kind of pitching this to the, you know, to the guys and to, you know, possible investors and stuff. I'm like, Oh, by the way, there's like four times where this can fail 100%. And that didn't make anyone feel good, but I had to say it. Oh, of you know, course. Yeah. It, it cannot grow. We can get mold like they do out West. We can get rootworm like they do out East. We can like there's, and then we can go hot and then we got to bush hog the whole thing. And, and going hot, it's like a ticking time bomb. It'll eventually yeah. probably get there, right? And so, oh, this stuff would have no problem because we were only at uh, 89 days is when we yep. tested at 0.26. So we still had probably another 20 days of maturity, you know, 30 days of maturity. And you're looking at it going, man, I wish I could just let this grow for three more weeks, right? Oh, <laughs> you know, like, that that would have been a game changer, but it would it would have got a zero. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it would have got you. It would have got you a, a box full of ashes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 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 And um, so, so what has the process been like after that? How are you drying, curing, you know, trimming? What, and and you, you said you were turning some of it into pre rolls. What's the plan with the rest of it? Um, the re the plan for the rest of it's bulk sale. So the the processing rules in Ohio, um, you know, are. I don't want to say stringent, they require a license and that license requires a food grade processing location. And by the time those rules came out, I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't do that. So mm -hmm. we're going to have the pre-rolls are going to be processed out of state. And then we hope to sell bulk, you know, wholesale flour um, on your own site. Uh, that's, that's going to be the primary, you know, location for our wholesale business. And then, um, you know, some of the pre-roll stuff we might, we're going to, uh, white label it. You know, we don't really want to brand. We're not branding people. Um, you know, if you met me and my, the, the guys that are doing this with me, we're the least branding centric people of all time. So we're going to white label and hopefully the, you know, the guys that own three to five smoke shops can put their brand, you know, house brand on it and it can be successful. So that's the, you, that's the idea. Your mission is to grow great flour. Yes. Yep. And make money. <laughs> make money. Yeah, which is hard in this space, you know, with the prices, you know, and biomass especially crashing so hard. Flour has, you know, held a little bit of a higher bar, but it's still, it's not, it's not easy, you know, especially first year to to turn a profit, you know, and it's a lot of people expect a very large profit whenever they don't realize all the different challenges and issues, and you know, when it comes to growing it, drying it, curing it, and then even liquidity, the sales side of it, you know, it's 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 oh, a yeah. process through and through. And, and, you know, our farm is surrounded by row croppers. You know, you fill up the semi and you go to the, you go to the mill. Yep. You know, it's over. Um, and that's, that's, that's not the case. A guy I rent some land to was asking about it. And um, he's like, so it's done. What do you do? And I was like, well, now we try to sell it. And he's like, right. Just bring it somewhere. And I was like, this is not how it works. 
Wouldn't that be nice, though? You know, maybe maybe at some point when the market stabilizes and uh, there's 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 dedicated you know demand, consistent demand that's that's going to pick up certain amounts, and you're going to actually have you know price into the future, contract farming things like that. Yeah. But it's so fragmented right now that you know a platform like ours is one of the few places to source suppliers or to uh, uh, sell, you know, and find liquidity if you don't have access to it yourself. So we're really excited to have you on the platform, Peter. And uh, I, I think, you know, a farm like yours could do really well, especially, you know, high quality flour. So super excited to see your products up there. Yeah. And we're, we're really excited to be part of it. You know, we, we talked to probably a dozen brokers and, and, you know, some people had exclusivity deals and some people had this and, 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 us being new to it, like, you know, are we being taken or not? And, and you guys just made sense. You give advice, you, you pay a fee. And then, you know, if you make $50 million, you pay the same fee. And if, if you go belly up, it, it, you know, it didn't break the bank. And, and uh, it, it's been really exciting for us. No, we're excited to have you. Our platform is all about opportunity. You know, we can't control the market. But what we can control is the opportunity for people to reach who they're trying to reach. And that's, that's, that's what we do as a platform. And we're really proud of, you know, the network that we've built. So yeah, super excited again, but uh, what kind of price points are you looking at? Uh, in, in how does that relate to, to cost of goods sold um, when it comes to just, just the actual business behind it, you, you have to make money to stay in business. But then again, you also have to have prices that people are willing to purchase at. What, what are you, what kind of prices are you looking at this year? Yeah, we're, we're hoping if we can average, you know, the flower, like we have some that's, you know, bigger and smaller and, and um, we did miss a couple males. So we do have some, we tried to throw out all the seeds, but you know, there's, there's some. New ones. And um, so, you know, we're hoping if we average $200 a pound, um, we'll be pretty happy. Um, from a cost of goods sold standpoint, um, I don't, um, there's a lot of sweat equity this year. So like we didn't take, upfront costs yeah so and we owned the farming equipment and we owned the plastic row maker and we you know so from a cost standpoint we're really seeds plastic fertilizer um we had the barns to dry in like we, we were pretty good but when people say like well how much are you going to make i'm like well we have thousands of hours into this that didn't cost me the labor money. yeah oh so yeah. you're not paying yourselves yeah, yeah, no, no, we're not. This uh, is we're, true jumped off the diving board, Peter. Yes. I love it, man. I'm so excited yeah. for you guys. Yeah, so we're going to, you know, we're going to pay back the hard costs first, and then we're we're going to split it, you know, per our agreements. And, um, and, and I think we'll all be happy with that because there's no, um, you know, as the owner, we didn't take anything different. You know, we just get a percent of the profit like anyone else, and uh, there's no land fees. And it was just the right thing to do, you know, to get – a, a team together. Of and um, so from a cost of goods sold, we really have no idea this year. Like we could apply a, a rate to the number of hours we think we have. And, um, you know, we ended up with about 2000 pounds of flour, maybe, maybe a little more. Mm -hmm. And um, so at that rate, we, we do well, even paying, you know, $20 an hour for labor, but that that profit margin is uh, grossly overstated this year. Well, look, you, you, there, you have a flower, uh, a, a, a flower farm, right? And for, for a first year new crop, this is an experiment. Nobody knows okay. what's going to happen. Right. And so with the, you know, like we were talking about earlier, there's risk. And so it's, it's, it, it's all about 
how much can you learn? Because the value of that is going to dictate, you know, do you, do you continue down this path or do you, do you pivot or do you persevere? And so that's one of those things where it's like, you have to answer that. You have to scratch that itch. And, and if you, if you don't, you're probably going to regret it a little bit. So it's super exciting to see that you, you got 2000 pounds out of the ground. You got it dried. You got, you got it bucked and shucked. You, you know, you're, you're ready for sale. The whole thing. Yep. Yep. You got the compliant total THC, yep. which is a challenge in and of itself. So, you know, you kind of at you know, the final phase of, Hey, is this, uh, is this, is this operation going to be financially viable? And that's, you're in the same position as so many people and, uh, we're as supportive as we can be of the industry, but you know, nobody knows what's going to happen. So, um, I, I take my hat off to anybody that steps into this space, um, with the volatility in it and, uh, and, 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 and gives it their all and, and takes a risk and, and learns because, there is an opportunity here and it's just a matter of can you learn faster than the next person to figure out how to make it a real opportunity. Yeah. And you mentioned the volatility. I pulled up my very first spreadsheet of like the costs and the, the sales and stuff and just biomass, just like grind it up and drop it off at a, in, you know, a dryer was, was more than we're hoping for. And we've hung it and chucked it and, you know, like we've done so much more for and, and trying to get into the smokable world, you know, raises the, you know, raises the, the price, but you got to have nicer stuff. You got to present it in the right way where before we were literally planning on putting in a grinder and sending it to a processor and being done. Like that's the first plan. And so that was like a year ago, August. And it's just changed. Like you just watch those prices drop, drop, drop. A year ago, August, the prices, we had just put out an article where we said prices are going to plummet. And, and you were right on. And people hated us for it. because, But we just knew, we just saw the sheer volume of being produced and everybody was have everybody had that same plan. Grind it up, ship it to an extractor, right? And That's right there's going to be a buyer and the flower market's really sustained through all of this. You know, there's been some price decreases, but, it, but the biomass just the floor dropped out because there was such an oversupply. And then on top of that, people would get it toll processed so they could get it into a more storable format. Well, now the extractors have a zero cost of goods sold other than running the equipment. And so there's, yeah. they're flooding the distillate isolate market. So it was just, it was kind of a crazy, um, your plan wasn't unique, right? At that point. Oh, no, no. It, was, it was published all over the place. We weren't the only ones. Yeah, we got a lot of heat for that. But, but the fact that it did work out that way, uh, the only thing we wanted to do was we saw a trend. We see the data. We knew how much was being posted every day and how much was getting offers every day. At that point in time, it was, we got we to gotta raise the flag and let everybody know, hey, there's a problem right now. Um, price, prices this year have... We're not seeing a ton of change. And I think that's a really good thing that, that comes with the age of the market. But uh, yeah. if flower, flower seems to be a really good place to be, especially if it's compliant. Because there's so much well, hot flower out there. It's hard to tell and it's hard to trust. So super proud. We, hats off to you, really, for getting well, it compliant, out of the ground, ready to sell. That's, that's, a, yeah. that's a feat in of itself. When, when, when the price started really dropping and I'm like, well, I guess we're not going to do this. But then you start realizing like the price in the stores that the end result wasn't dropping. So, okay. So no. the consumer wants the product and they want it at like a price of X or more. 
So how can we get into that supply chain at a different point that made sense? And that was really like, we, we had our ideas on how we were going to do our scientific With, Without spending $3 million too. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. yeah. I well, mean, you I mean, could, you could get all the extraction and the winterization and all of that stuff, but you're going to end up spending so much money in the facility and everything. But even then you still got to build the clients for the finished goods. Right. Yeah. And so like, so then we're like, well, we got to get closer to the consumer. And like, we don't, none of us want a retail space. Like we don't want to live in that space. We don't want to build a brand. Like I said earlier. So, um, all right. So now we got to get close to the consumer. And then we just started going to smoke shops and being like, mm-hmm. what do you, what do you want? What do you need? And they're like, well, we, we don't like consignments. And then like one guy kind of triggered it. He was like, no one will do white label. He's like, they, they want, they want their own brand so that when I sell it, someone likes it, they go to their website and buy it at 10% off and they don't have to leave their house. And I was like, well, what if, what if we white labeled it? And uh, I said, I, I, our processor, I think will even put your artwork on the package. So it's not like a cheap sticker. And they're like, you would do that. And I'm like, that's what like, I will now. <laughs> yeah. And that's as close as we can get to the consumer without taking the huge leap. So let's, yep. let's do that. And yep. we'll see if it works, but we think, we think there's a market there. Um, good client service. You talk to people sure. and they're like, well, we ordered and it doesn't show up for a month, you know? So, okay, well, how much inventory are we going to have to have? How quick in the processor process? Can we send, you know, 500 pounds to the processor? So there's not, you know, shipping up front. Can we actually trust someone to do that? Those are all the things we're trying to figure out right now. Right. No, I, I, I think the analogy of starting a company is being in a, being in a dark room and feeling around, Where's the opportunity? Where, where is it? You find a lighter, right? Yeah. And you find the lighter. Now you can find a candle. You find a candle. Now you can, you know, find the light switch and turn the lights on. Yeah. But for you, it seemed like going to the smoke shop, finding somebody that wanted white label and then offering it. That was, that was, that was a big part of, you know, the, the journey of figuring out where do you fit in this marketplace and what makes you unique, you know, because everybody's trying to figure that out right now. And, and the guys uh, in Ohio, because of the total THC, we're, we're really one of the only states. The guys in Ohio don't want to buy the stuff out. Like, unless you have that certificate from the state of Ohio, they don't want it because it's just yep. going to be a headache for them. Yeah, and, and they don't want to get arrested. They don't want to, they no. don't want to deal with the fines or the fees or whatever would come down the pipe with that, especially with all the, the uncertainty in the space. So Yeah, and I don't want to sell something that tests hot because some regulatory firm, and then they come back to me for a refund. Like, that, that's just not what we want. So we i think we have an idea we'll find out you got the paper so that's a good that's a good yeah, start got the paper well uh peter it's been a pleasure talking with you today uh you can find peter's products peter's flower on and white label products on kush.com under cedar hill flower farms and uh, yes, we're sir. really excited to have you on the platform and uh, look forward to working with you for many years to come excited to be here thank you for your time sir thank you peter have a good one you too